1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally. I'm so proud of that. And honestly, it's not because of me. It is because of my truly incredible guests, excuse me, and I feel immensely fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game and they are passionate about helping you achieve your goals in both your personal and professional lives my guests show up here holding nothing back they are here to share their stories the secrets of peak performance and i know that you'll find their insights both inspiring and actionable so sit back relax and get ready to take your life and your business to the next level today i am really pleased to welcome back to the show gary turk also known as the father of spam now, this was May 2nd. It was 1978. The internet was in its infancy and that very early incarnation of what we now identify as the internet was called ARPANET. And the digital equipment company sent an unsolicited commercial email to every ARPANET address on the West Coast. Remember that because that's important. We're going to be talking about Queen Elizabeth II during this conversation. And just like that, email spam was born. Now, the earliest documented spam, although it hadn't been coined as spam yet, was a message advertising the availability of a new model of DEC corporations, digital equipment corporation computers sent by Gary to 393 recipients on ARPANET. So rather than send, and this makes sense, rather than send a separate message to each person, which was the standard practice at the time. He had his assistant write a single mass email because as the marketing manager at Digital, he was hoping to get attention particularly from West Coast customers for their new series of systems. Instead, he ended up getting crowned for better or worse as the father of spam. But I'll tell you, he prefers to think of himself as the father of e-marketing there's a difference. And in fact, that original spam message did work, according to him. He says we sold 13 or 14 million dollars worth of the DC machines through that e- email campaign. But as in anything that works well on the negative side, complaints started coming in almost immediately. And a few days after the original email, an ARPANET representative called him up, chewed him out, and made him promise to never, never do that again. Gary, good morning. Thank you for joining me today on your partner in Success Radio, and it's good to have you back on the
0: show. Good morning, Denise. Good to be talking with you again.
1: Thank you. You and I are email buddies. We have been for a long time. And I, you know, the, the irony of, you know, the father of spam and I chatting back on a regular basis does not escape me, I have to tell you.
0: Well, you know, you're on my light spam list.
1: I don't consider it spam a lot of the stuff you send me it just cracks me up and some of it I'm like okay that's interesting but I don't really respond to it and other stuff, like oh I'm keeping that so you know you you're all over the place and you send me some great stuff so thank you for that but I do recall speaking of Queen Elizabeth II who's you know passed away last year I admit I cried I cried all day I cried during her funeral but that was I sent you an email that said Queen Elizabeth II was the first head of state to use email in 1976. And that was two years before you blew up ARPANET. So let's talk about that a little bit.
0: Yes. Uh, if I knew she was on it, I would have sent one to her. Oh, no. I didn't have her address. I'm not sure. It was obviously hidden in one of the other ones over there in uh, in well, uh
1: the united kingdom sorry i hope i cough on you Uh, and according to another email that i found and i just sent it to you about half an hour ago it was a man called peter kirstein who set up her email account using the username hme2 her majesty elizabeth II. (laughs) of course it was and he said all she had to do was press a couple of messages and then here you came along on the american side of the pond.
0: Yes, uh, the thing about it is is that even back then, uh, the ARPANET, which was was packet switching, was the new technology, okay, that was underneath it. Uh, it was over the Atlantic to to England and over the Pacific to Hawaii. So it was already an internet. Oh, I didn't know that. And they did that through satellite connections.
1: Huh. You know, it's amazing that, and I love that you're here to tell us these stories because we do just kind of point and shoot anymore. We think it's all magic. It's not. Trust me, it's not. And I love to read stories about the very early days of you know, what you were doing, what ARPANET was doing, what the internet was doing. And I think people don't really understand how it all kind of originated and how it has become what it is now.
0: Yes, it's very complex now. Uh, however, uh, I put together, because people, you know, ask time to time, and I explain part of I did put, I have put together a presentation, uh, I like to call it, edutainment that goes back and explains it so that uh, everyday person on the street can understand it, uh, how it evolved and what the technology is.
1: Um, Gary, also, where can we find I, that? You sent me an e-note, uh, an email about it, but there weren't any links and I meant to get back and say, how do I find this?
0: Oh, I, I have never published. It. <laughs> oh, well, we'll talk. I keep, I keep it, it online. I, I, go, I give it because, I haven't written a script. Um, it's something I developed a long time ago is that if I'm going to give a talk. I just have bullets or or part of a presentation to go off of, and then gotcha. I talk off of that.:
1: Okay, well, I want it, so you need to send it to me. <laughs> I'm I, Jim And Dean. you're my friend.
0: at you. I can I can uh, I'll zoom it to you sometime.
1: Perfect. That would be okay, terrific.
0: We'll set that up
1: okay well let me get out of your way and you talk about what happened then and what you're seeing now and where you were in all of this
0: yeah uh, what happened uh, it all started back in 77 uh, I'm pretty sure it was in 77 I I went to deck in uh, September of 75. And it might have been late 67 76. You know, the vice president of our large system computer group in DEC uh, stopped me in the hall and said that I should check into ARPA because years ago we did a lot of business with them, but we haven't done any business in a long time in years and we wanted me to check it out and see what's available there. So, uh I started looking into that. Uh, I briefly remember hearing about them, but when I was in the Navy as a Naval officer um, at the computer center, but um, other than seeing a classified film once uh, they produced, I wasn't that familiar with them. So I had to kind of like cut them down and made arrangements went down uh, with my boss and division manager to uh, DC and we went and visited them, and found out what they were doing, what and where, and uh, s- developed a relationship with them. So, I started calling on the different ARPANET users. So these were the sites within the research community of both the DOD and the university, and a few contractors that had on-site the connections, the imps and the tips is what they were called. So today they just have a, we just have a modem in the home. We have bank of modems in in the businesses, schools, etc. Back back then you had a large systems. And they were just developing the packet switching technology, which made it very high reliable. And, uh, It was pretty easy to visit the customers on the East Coast, because they were tightly connected, both around Boston and around Washington, D.C., and a few other, other spots. But on the West Coast, they were spread out, you know, from Utah to Washington, to Northern California and Southern California. And even in those areas, they were well spread out. So after a trip to the West Coast and visiting some of them back on the airplane, it dawned on me that. After understanding what these people went through, be able to put a computer working on the ARPANET, they had to develop their own code. They had to make their own electronic interface to the new uh, communication lines that were being used for this. People might find this hard to believe back then, but this was, the ARPANET ARPA was being used over a 52 kbit lines, kilobit lines. 50 KB was for the data. And uh, that doesn't sound like much today. But it back doesn't then, at all. Back then, most people were using 300, 1200, and 2400 baud modems. So, I mean, you could see the characters come and go back then, okay, when you were doing it. Um, but
1: Almost it, like you know, watching a teletype, wasn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, so I, I came up with this idea, and I approached uh, our vice president. And this is probably a good six months after he first asked me. Remember? And he said, I want you to do a business plan. For that, tell me exactly how much minimum we're going to sell before we make any decisions. Said, okay, he said, keep it to one page. That I like. So uh, I did some work studying it, and I said, I'll guarantee we can sell at least twelve of these. Twelve. Twelve. Now, <laughs> hang on, hang You're fired on. Fired for that today. No, no, hang on. The average price was a million dollars.
1: Okay, never mind. I take it back.
0: <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> well, over time the price came down. You know, computer prices came down. So we had you could get a good viable system over time for twenty, sixty, in the twenty eighties in the range of six hundred to eight hundred k. They really got cheap. So. So over the life of the project product, we sold somewhere between 40 and 50 systems.
1: Goodness. And they
0: they kept selling those okay. That was a that was a big decision. And literally what we the the option put it on on either the 20 Deck System 20s or the Deck System 1090 was an additional 50k. That was for the software and the hardware. And they were had we glad to have it, customers out there. And one of our customers had four deck system tens and he was glad to have the new one with it, built in. Then we bought a 2060 after that
1: with it built in. Okay, you faded away. Can you repeat that?
0: Oh yeah. The um The uh, one customer who had four systems. Think of it as a data center today. Okay, there were several data centers on the Arpa, and they they ran services for, for the other people out there. And um, they he he got one of the ten ninety T's, and over time he got another twenty sixty T, which was the newer, more compact one. Even though he was used to the bigger one with. The, you know, seven-foot-high cabinets with the blinking lights all over it. So nifty.
1: Well, we've all seen those, and nobody believes they happened, but they were real.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the good techs, they would walk in the room, and they would look at the lights on the different cabinets and know what was working wrong, right or wrong. Um, but when that went away, it became a new, a developed a new skill to monitor what was happening.
1: Oh, I bet. I bet. So... Gary, and, and I wanted to go back just a minute. Um, you mentioned packets. And listen, I learned about them when I went to college and got my degree. Nobody talks about packets anymore.
0: I know, but that's well, how, that's how yeah, the internet talk, works.
1: Exactly. So let's talk about those because there was a time when if you could, didn't understand packets, you couldn't get a website launched.
0: Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the, the packet's a very simple concept. Think of it just like, uh, instead of a packet, think of it as an envelope. Your date is inside. And it also contains uh, error correction codes and, and all the information about how much, how long it is and all that. And then it also has on it a uh, an address to and an address from. And the packet, it could be, let's say, a packet of five send what you're sending when you're sending a file to somebody or a large document. uh, The packets would be sent sequentially, but they may not arrive sequentially because of heavy traffic or someone with a backhoe that dug up a a communication line.
1: That still happens, by the way.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I watched one do it in front of my house one day. Um, (laughs) Really, really not happy. No. No, I had
1: something similar happen here. The a t and t box or communicate I don't know what it is. It's a big ugly thing sits between my yard and the neighbors and it never has worked and all I think they you know put it to sleep at some point because you know they're using something entirely different for this neighborhood now, and all of a sudden I hear crunch, 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 and they're out there and they're digging up my bushes. I went out and had a screaming fit. As much as I can scream, my voice is a bit too soft for that, but I can use my words very, (laughs) you know, pungent kind of a manner. And they stopped. They said, well, we need to do this. I said, that's fine. But why didn't you knock on the door and ask me what to do about my shrubbery? Because they just whacked it all down. I had a fit. I really did. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, the door is right there. Knock on it the next time you're going to do some damage to my yard.
0: Yeah, I, I had Whether um, they will or not, I don't know, but I had a you
1: know it was fun having a fit.
0: The other end of that, with the same same thing, guy came by to cut off service to a house on the next street, and the box between my house and the neighbors was the distribution for I don't know like eight eight houses, right? Mm-hmm. And they weren't properly labeled and he cut the one, walked away. Well he cut the one to my house.
1: Did you have a fit? I would have. See, I'm having. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) It just died. You know that isn't normal to just die like that.
1: Yeah, I don't normally have little hissy fits, but when I do, they're epic. And this one was epic. And I made them stop. And I made them bring over a you know a boss guy, who immediately determined that what they were doing was damage. It was. I mean, he said, "You guys didn't need to do that. You could have just tied some of that back." And I chimed in I said I have a rope all you had to do was knock on the damn door and they're all hanging their heads and I'm still not a, I'm not still this is two or three years but I'm still mad about it you know?
0: I don't I don't blame you
1: I hold a grudge just so you
0: know certain certain things you know you know from with a distance internet, to- don't
1: mess with my plants just those are two things that are leave them alone
0: like I like to say, from a distance, you can't tell the difference between lazy and stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you get up close and personal with them and you can tell right away. <laughs>
0: That's the only way.
1: <laughs> I know. But, you know, when we're talking about packets and and you said something really important, that they're, they're not sequential. They weren't sequential and they could arrive or not arrive. We still have the same issue with, with email now. I just got an email before I jumped on with you. And somebody said, listen, I sent this to you three months ago. I never got it. I did a quick search. It never arrived.
0: Yep. D- you have to check on that stuff. You do. Because the, the, the network is, think of it as a spider web. And then think of it as 12, 12 spider webs that are all interlaid on each other different angle. And things just get lost.
1: They do. And, you know, there's no point in having hysterics over it unless they're lying to you, which also does happen. But I really I couldn't find it anywhere. And I did a deep dive for it. So, you know, it got sent again. And this time I said, okay, this time I got it. And it it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't anything critical or important. But he was upset that I wasn't responding to him. And he had every right to be upset, except I didn't get it. So once we got that sorted out, it was okay. But what are you seeing, Gary, that, I mean, you've been looking at all of this for a long time. What are you seeing the good, the bad, and the ugly with the Internet these days?
0: Well, uh, it, it's you, you got to look at the Internet the same way you look at the interstate highway system, right? It's there for everybody to use. But you still have accidents and problems and crime and other troubles that happen on it. It's not because of the Internet. It's because of the use and abuse of it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I, I mentioned this earlier. People think it's magic. Listen, I do, too. You know, I develop websites, and I know better. I build websites. I build them in my sleep. I think in code. I'm a nerd in stilettos. And by golly, I still think the Internet is magic. But, and I'll tell everybody who will listen, it was made for me. It's mine, y'all. I'll share it with you, but it's mine. It's not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm on it so much, it might as well be mine. But I'm telling you, there's something so magical about Man. the Internet and how we can communicate now. So yes. let's not abuse it, okay? Let's just... No, oh, I
0: agree. Oh, I have, I have some friends that, it. that remember way back when, okay? And they said the ARPANET was all better because, nobody, because they controlled who got to use it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't. Oh. It wasn't available to everybody. No.
1: Did it ever become available to everybody, or did it just natively navigate over to the internet and become something different?
0: No. It no. It 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 became um, in the early eighties uh, the mid eighties is when it became available commercially and available to everybody. That's when it was. Uh, there was an official point. Wasn't really announcement, but in my presentation, I I point out that you can see exactly when that happened and it became open. As, that's what they called came open, and they renamed it the Internet.
1: When was this?
0: Eighty. Uh, it's in my slides. About eighty four. About nineteen
1: eighty four. That sounds about right. That's when I was. I'm one of those early idiots that bought a, a very Early, early computer. I mean, it didn't go anywhere, but I had to have it. I just knew that I was going to make a living on the internet before I knew there was an internet. You know, sometimes you just know where you're going to go. Yeah. And I got this three thousand dollars. I still clench up when I when I realized how much I spent. And I had to, you know, it was like on layaway. I couldn't get it until I paid for it. And it was a computer, and it was a keyboard, and it was a bunch of MS dos manuals which i still have in my closet because i paid for those god darn it they're mine i'm not throwing them away and you know i can still speak a little ms dos but i'm telling you what it was gary it was a very expensive boat anchor it didn't do a darn thing it was a word processor that was it yeah it it was mine
0: I i had a word processor at home i loved it because i didn't have any maintenance with it, it's oh, nice, straightforward. But prior to that, back when I was still in New England, I brought home a uh, micro uh, LSI eleven, a PDP eleven uh, from work. That was a certain model that we had a bunch of in inventory, and they they weren't moving. Uh, it was it was a special packaging. It was left over. And uh,
1: are those the ones that wound up on eBay and nobody knew what the heck they were?
0: Well, it could have, it, but eBay wasn't around then. This was this was back in uh, about 1982,
1: 83. Right. I remember and- something where e- an eBay, somebody had found a warehouse that had about 25 or 40 of these. It was a small number. And they wound up on eBay, and, and people were saying, well, what are they?
0: Oh, you know what I think those are? Those are Unix boxes.
1: Oh, maybe so. I remember
0: seeing that. That's a, Those were Unix boxes
1: and be,
0: i yeah. believe they're left over from a failed project for the military okay gotcha and what they should have done is given them to some school like Rent oh, rensselaer yeah. some uh right school now that, they belong the in museums
1: but you know half of my closet belongs in a museum for what i can say because you know the technology just goes and grows so fast we can't keep up i've got a blackberry phone in there that i don't know why i'm hanging on to it i hated it when it worked
0: so hang hang on to some of that stuff because i wish oh, i, I had know. some of the some of that that old hardware um uh, that got lost and stolen or whatever yeah so, yeah i wish i still had it uh, i actually had a memory plane of core from a uh, early univac uh, first generation computer, and that got oh. mislaid. I should. So somebody
1: hauled off with it, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Too bad. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and a couple other of circuits and mechanisms. Kind of but uh, so I brought that uh, PDP eleven home and uh, showed my boys it, and it had on it the only thing it had. Well, it had the basic operating system and compilers, and that the only application on it had on it, which was the original Dungeon and Dragons. So, You're kidding! No, 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 not and, <laughs> it was, and it's all in text only, only text had a screen, only text. And
1: how did and, that even work?
0: Oh, actually, it was very good. It was like a mystery novel where you had to guess what what, what the answer was before you could go to the next page. <laughs> you know, think of it that oh. way. So I've never
1: played any online games, but or, you know, and I think Dungeons and Dragons is a bunch of drunk frat boys on a table. I don't know,
0: but that's a later stage.
1: I've (laughs) never had anything to do with it. But who hasn't heard of Dungeons and Dragons?
0: Yeah. So they were down the street and they uh, their friend down the street had a one of these computers like you bought. Okay. And
1: still said, so, oh, yeah, we're,
0: we're running this on our computer at home. And he said, well, how much memory do you have? And they said, well, we got 64 megabits, 64 kilobits. And the guy said, no, you mean eight, eight or six? He says, no, 64. He says, computers don't have that much memory. <laughs> so that's why he couldn't do anything on those little old ones. They had no memory.
1: They did not. And we couldn't, if we, You know, I wrote a lot on mine. I was just fascinated with it, but I couldn't do anything with it. We didn't have any apps. We, you know, we didn't have Word. We didn't have, we couldn't print the darn thing. I don't even know if I got rid of it, but I wish I'd kept it because I'd like to be able to go back into it and see what I was thinking back in the day. It was probably a journal of my life, and I didn't even recognize that.
0: Back when I was in the Navy. I started out as an analyst and systems programmer in the systems office. And we were developing drivers back then. So, because we had our own operating system on our computers, and we had five CDC computers all hooked together, and we used, there were three small and two large, and we used one of the small ones as the operating system Or all the computers and peripherals that were shared as they were assigned to jobs, assigned resources to jobs, and uh, we were by drivers. I mean things like printers, plotters, tape drive handling. Because otherwise, you had to write all of that back then into your program.
1: Did and I know you and I have talked before about you know. A lot of what we are working with now came from the Navy and came from, you know, places that we wouldn't necessarily think they would come from. We just thought again it was magic, and some company did exactly. it. It's like, oh yeah, that one, yeah, they, yeah. But the Navy had an awful lot to do with how we are wandering through the, you know, the internet these days.
0: Oh yeah, and the and the Air Force. I know. Yeah. Oh, both of them. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, and some of the contractors out there like Sri. Back when I was uh, bringing out the T series, um, they uh, they were working on the packet switching radio connections on a moving vehicle, and what, how you reestablish after it goes through, let's say a tunnel, and you lose connection, then you have to reestablish and start over and continue where you were. The average person today would think is like, okay, I'm on a cell phone talking to somebody, and I go in a tunnel under the bridge, like in Boston, to get to the airport and I get on the other end. Then then you have to reestablish. the system has to reestablish you back with whoever you were talking with. Find you, refine them, and put the connection back together. They were working on that back then.
1: And you know, while we're talking about that. You know, not so long ago in July, we had the anniversary of the moon landing, which was in 1969. I am still not sure how they were managing to talk with the astronauts before we even had Internet.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was that was standard radio stuff. I stayed up all night to see that. Okay, that was. But they had the very big dishes. Not the three meter stuff, but the 30 feet across. And, and 50 and 60 feet across dishes. And they could only talk to them when they were in front of the moon and not behind the moon. Oh. And there was a, I want to say a 30, 60 second delay between you sending it and they had, receive it and you get an answer back.
1: Well, I can imagine, I've heard some of those and you hear static, 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 and you think, well, they're dead. They're not coming back. And then all of a sudden you hear, you know, one of the astronauts talking to you. I yeah. didn't realize that that was radio. That makes sense. Yeah, I had was, no idea. That was
0: radio, just like cell phones are radio.
1: Yeah. And people think that cell phones are, are cell phones. They're not. They're just a, a block with a bunch of apps on it.
0: Yeah, that's right
1: interesting. So when you said you watched the the moon landing, which I have always been fascinated with, and I'm assuming that NASA has had, a, again, feel you know, like, you know, the uh, the Navy and the Air Force an awful lot to do with how we communicate today. But what did you see when you were watching that that made you just say, oh my God, what are your memories of that time?
0: Oh, it was in black and white. And we stood there waiting for him to open the door and waiting for him to get down and then and see him step down there's almost a a little hop or jump and the dust come up then you watched him walk away and the other guy got down they're taking you know pictures of each other just yeah couldn't leave the tv just couldn't leave the tv at all okay so like what's one of the things that i thought of and it was right after that okay no, it was about four or five years after. Uh, we talk about technology and how it changes and all that, but people don't realize that the speed and the effect on their lives. Because my grandmother dry, died, my one grandmother died about five, six years after. And I remember. The, moon the landing? Yeah, after the moon landing. Okay. So she was, she was, Born in 1880 something. And in her lifetime, let's talk about change. In her lifetime, she saw uh, running water come into the house. Later on, electricity, uh, bathrooms come into the house, electric lights come into the house. She, radio was introduced, cars became common airplanes came around radio there was radio and tv and she watched a man walk on the moon in her lifetime
1: that is a huge gap
0: oh i mean it's that, unbelievable. you know from
1: you know writing my great-grandmother wrote she, she always told this story that she and her family rode across most of the united states in a covered wagon and she was so proud that she was you know, telling the horse where to go. Well, she was in a line of covered wagons, so the horse was going to follow the one, the tail in front of her. but she and she told that story, especially as you know, light dementia. we didn't call it dementia. And I don't think it was. I think she just got very forgetful. And she would tell that story over and over again. And, you know, I'm so upset now that I didn't find a recorder and record it. My mom used to get very irritated and say, oh, geez, not this one again. I'm like, really, Grandma? I, I could listen to that all day long because it was history. It was her history. It was a That's long right. history like your grandma. And we're never going to see the likes of that again.
0: That's right. That's right. It, and, and people really don't appreciate
1: that. No, I don't think they do. They, listen, you'll be in the grocery store and, you know, people are, I hate it when people talk on their phone in public. I just, you know, I want to <laughs> put it on speaker so we can all argue with the ass. Come on. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually have said that in the grocery store, but you know, people I'm worried now that people are going to wind up and young people are going to wind up with what we call a dowager snob, you know, that you know, that hump neck, that crooked oh, Yeah,
0: absolutely. They because walk like
1: that they're bowed over. I mean, I watch kids get out of the school bus in front of my house. They're not talking. They're bent over, you know, looking at their phones. We're losing to some degree because of all the, in many, many ways, great strides we've taken. But I think we're losing touch with our humanity.
0: That's, yeah, it, the, the world is changing right under us. It and- is.
1: And it's not always great.
0: Sometimes right. that's right. Look at,
1: and other times you're like, "Oh, jeez, what the heck was that?"
0: Look at the history we have of the world. Right, the good times, bad times, good times, bad times, just, you know, just goes on.
1: It does, and I think I mean I'm glad you shared that story about your grandma. That's fantastic. So she didn't know. I'm guessing she passed before you became the father of spam.
0: Well, I wasn't exposed, you know, until this century. Uh, Seriously? I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 No, it was it was an article in uh, PC World magazine. And uh, we're uh, we're at work. And one of the guys from work I knew, uh, I knew his parents. And um, uh, his parents and I were friends from years before that. And he came by and he's got a magazine in his hands folded over. I can't really see what it is. He said, so, uh, um, were were you involved with the the Arpanet? I said, yeah. And uh, no. did you uh, have a whatever? And he asked me a bunch of questions. And I, I wanted to make sure it was you. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm saying, what are you reading? He says, oh, it's an article here. It says you said this, that. It said you sent the first spam. And I looked at him. I said, let me see that.
1: <laughs> really? did you have to hide under your desk
0: for a while after that oh no 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 I became a bigger celebrity than ever
1: <laughs> when you and I first met and I don't know how long ago it's it's been a while and I remember and I'm fascinated with computers and the internet and history and I went, oh tell me everything just tell me everything don't leave out anything
0: <laughs> so. Well, you know, to go back to what we we're talking about a minute ago, okay? I found that the grandchildren are interested. Your parents, your kids are never interested, but the grandchildren are always interested. It's kind of a multi-generational hobby.
1: Well, that makes sense. I mean, you know, when I'm growing up with my parents, I kept thinking. How do I get away? How do I
0: get away? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want to do my own thing.
1: Yeah, I love my grandma. Well, one of them, one of them I really couldn't stand from the very beginning. I just didn't like her, which is not nice to say, but she was a very difficult woman. But my other grandmother, I just adored. Oddly enough, my mom didn't like her. (laughs) I didn't really (laughs) like my mom when I was growing up. So I get it. I understand.
0: Oh, no. my mom. You know, my um, mom, used, my anything
1: mom used to have to have her back, but, you know, see, it is what it is.
0: Yes. Yeah. My mom used to say about my, my one-grandma, was close to the one I was talking about, okay, she um, she, she could not understand why she liked me so much. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Families really should be put in the closet and only brought out at Christmas.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of the way we worked it, actually. Yeah.
1: Thanksgiving one, things, on. one
0: family one family thanksgiving one family christmas
1: there you go too funny okay so what is it that you're finding that people want to know now because i mean this is history you and i was thinking before we got on the call you know I, and i love chatting with you because you are a part of living
0: history um they the they're they're interested in the details of something right in front of them. You know, it's I like, know. Give it's me like, technology. I don't care how the car is built, how it works. I just want to drive it. Same thing with the, com- with, with the cell phones. Now the cell phone is the real personal computer, not that thing sitting on the desk. Right. But the cell phone is the real personal computer now. And that just has become part of their life. You take it away, they go, they go crazy.
1: They really do. And I, you know, I've been on computers practically all of my life and my cell phone, I turn it off. I let my cat sit on it. If I have to unearth it, I have to scoot a cat out of the way. I don't give out my cell phone number. In fact, I just posted something on Facebook the other day. I said, listen, if you want me to go to your webinar or attend something and I get partway through your form, your sign up form, and you insist on my cell phone number, I'm gone. You're not getting it. I don't spam there are about six or seven people in the world who have my cell phone number. That's it. I,
0: I that's what you have to do.
1: Yeah. And you know, I mean, two years ago now, I'd had the same phone number for a long, long time. And all of a sudden, you know, people wanted to sell me, what is it? The car warranty or whatever I was getting nothing but spam. So I just said, okay. And I changed my, my phone number. And it's been fine for a couple of years. I'll give it another three or four before they find me again. But you're not going to reach me on cell phone. It's it's forbidden. I've got a phone number. I've got a toll-free number. I've got email. You can find me. I'm not difficult to find, but don't even think I'm going to let you chat at me when I'm working or sleeping or any other time. I keep it very, very personal. And I'll be honest with you. I wish more people would. Yeah, that would be good. Yep.
0: Yes. Oh, so, and a lot of a lot of uh, people who didn't grow okay. up using computers like we did okay today uh, they have a cell phone and they really don't use what we call a PC or a desktop computer right right uh, well, office kind that, of in between I mean, land is the tablet
1: yeah i mean some of my giant that.
0: i think that's a good device for a lot of people
1: I don't think small children should have them. You know the, Oh, no,
0: me either. Geez. I'm thinking adults.
1: Yeah, yeah, but everybody seems to have them. And, you know, if I'm leaving the house, my, my phone goes with me. I do spend a lot of time on my iPads. I have two very large iPads, and I use those as a mini computer. My phone, not going to happen, never going to happen. And, you know, I've started to interrupt you a minute ago, but I'm sitting in, at my desk, and I've got a giant curved monitor, and this is where I do my work. I need to have a keyboard. I need to be able to see multiple monitors. That's just how my brain works. But then, you know, I meet people from everywhere that they do everything on their cell phone. I had a client the other day, his cell phone got lost or stolen. He is lost. He can't get into anything. We've been talking about how to get him, you know, he's in what he calls Apple purgatory. It's taken him two weeks to get it kind of sort of sorted out.
0: That's the problem.
1: I know. You, we depend. I say we. I don't. But as a human beings, we're depending way too much on something that fits in our hand. And that can be lost. It can be stolen. It can be dropped in the toilet. That happens a lot, apparently. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, it seems to me you should take better care of having everything in your hand. It's dangerous. That's right.
0: Yes. That's right. Absolutely. But are just you way
1: too much of that. It. It, it is, and you know, and I had a chat with him. I said, "Listen, you're going to need this, that, and the other. You need to go back. Once they verify you and you've got your your phone number back, and you're going to have to change every single every single password you ever thought you had. Oh well, they told me it, you know, because it was password protected. I said, change." Every single, <laughs> I said it very slowly. Are you listening to me? Can you hear me now? He said, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> but...
0: I, I tell some of my friends, even even that work with computers but weren't computer oriented like me. Okay, and and I'm not a guru, technical guru. Okay? I'm much more of a man-machine interface and systems level person. And and i i tell them i said you got to do this you can't can't do that if you're doing you got to. and then later on they're like oh yeah uh someone stole all my stuff and, yeah, yeah, and they got, you know. got in you know and i said and uh, you're still putting your name on um, the email address and you're right. doing this and you're you know And i told and him, well, not using you well you need a know.
1: vpn which is critical these days you need vpn there're just so many things that you need to you can't just pick up that phone, take it out of the box, charge it up, and go, woo-hoo. That is not the end of it. That's the beginning.
0: That's right. You know, VPN, we had that on our Vax computer uh, deck net back in the 80s.
1: I wanted to ask you about that. I figured you had I, some yes. way to protect it.
0: Yes. And it's it's not the most secure thing in the world, but it's just such a basic step, okay, for for communications
1: it really it's is let's tell people who may not know what the heck we're talking about what is vpn and why do you need it i have it on all of my devices okay
0: uh virtual private network is is what it stands for and what it does is it let's say you and i are going to uh, set up some business stuff okay not our casual casual okay and we're going to be sending uh what we consider confidential information. We would we would use the VPN and the VPN, when my address and your address, whenever they talk to each other, they would set up a proxy name and number on either side so that when the messages go by, it doesn't look like it's from you and me. And every time we get on, they'll set up an, it sets up a new proxy.
1: It's not difficult to do, y'all. It's not
0: complicated at
1: all. Do a Google search for VPN. You might pay a little bit for one, or you might be able to get it free through your internet provider. Do it. Do it today. Make sure that you have VPN installed on your mobile, on your iPad, on your desktop. Just do it. Do it today. (laughs) I'm telling you, just do it today. Protect. And you're right. Nothing is foolproof, but it's better than nothing.
0: Yep. And these people that have uh, wi fi in the house, so many of them, right? Oh, it's so easy just to use what well and they don't they don't bother to set up a security code. I know. And it's anybody nice. has access to everything just by driving by.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Especially if you're on your cell phone and you're in a parking lot of someplace, let's say you're a piece of Village, I don't know where you're at, and you're using their Wi-Fi because it works out there in your your uh, in your car you just gave away a whole lot of information to anybody else in the next car. Just stop that. Use a VPN. Yep. Anyway, what else do you see that, because I mean, you've been watching this for a long time. What are you seeing? Let's go with good. What are you seeing right now with the internet that is very good in in your, from your perspective?
0: Well, what it's allowed, and this is what we were doing way back then is the collaboration of Different people working in different areas. And and one of the things that is really starting to come out now, even though early versions of the tools were available back, let's say in the early 90s, uh, is in the medical field. Uh, The medical field has really, really been, was dragging its heels to adopt technology to better uh, solve Problems and understand diseases, people's, uh, medical problems. All right. Uh, I'll give you a very simple, uh, an old and very simple example is is, okay, or they're doing a mammogram or they're doing a CAT scan. Okay, if you use the tools available, and there, there's so many tools available now, basic engines to do it. To do the basic scan and to look and discover what's wrong, what's an anomaly, what doesn't belong there before the technician decides if it should be looked at or not. Because it can do a much better job of that, right? And then when it's, when it finds it, you highlight it, circle it, you put a color on it, you make it stand out. Because otherwise it's just black black and gray and white, not even white, black and gray. So so now when it gets to the technician, he knows what to look at. He can still look at the whole thing, but now you have a much more detailed tool that'll go way beyond what the the average person will ever see.
1: And I'm wondering, you know, because right now everybody's talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and by the way, y'all, that is not going away. You might as well learn to embrace it, identify it, and work with it. But I'm I'm wondering, you because you're talking about the medical industry, how much AI are they using to, you know, make those little colored buttons? Are they using, in some cases, AI to find those anom- anomalies? And what do you
0: What are you seeing? They're just starting. They could have I done mean- that. They could have done that uh, years ago. Uh, let's um, even even let's say uh, thirty or 20, 25 years, thirty years ago. You're kidding. Had, uh, they did a brain scan. Well, the only thing the guy looked at the other end was a slice here, a slice here, a slice there, a slice there. Why don't you pan through the whole thing? All they needed was a graph, a, a graphics card from uh, from uh, one of the computer games. That's all they needed to their computer, a graphic card because right. it's you the the Intel Microsoft system. Okay. Graphics were never their game, okay. What you needed was a graphics card, like like the guys with, with the joysticks run playing the games had. That's mm-hmm. all you needed. Mm-hmm. All you needed it's just it's just the slow kind of resistance to it, okay we are not using it to replace the doctors or the technicians or anything. And You're that's using probably
1: the resistance. Oh. They didn't want to be replaced. Uh, it would be my right. guess.
0: Yeah. And they don't have time. And it can, it can tell them where to look. You know, look at this. Look at that. Okay, as I told you, just kind of look at a little bit here.
1: Well, you know, and when I, my brother passed away. He was a double lung transplant patient. He lived eight years with his new lungs. And wow, his final year was just hell. He was just failing. He knew it. His lungs were failing. He had to get the COVID shot because he was always in the hospital. And that COVID shot actually was the one that finally did him in. It punched holes in his lungs. But that's oh. neither here nor there. But they... There were so many times that I would just my skin would crawl because they'd say, "All right, well, we can't, we can't really see anything they could have. They could have taken him to a local hospital, run everything there instead of loading him into a hospital and a fire truck, and hauling him over to San Francisco all the time." And I caught myself wondering because you know I'm I tend to be a deeply suspicious of a lot of things, <laughs> but <laughs> I caught myself wondering were they just running up the bill because he really was a $6 million man at the end of it?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't, you know, I could, I'm critical of a lot
1: of this. And yeah. So much right. of what they were doing you know, makes sense. And they were over medicating him in my opinion. I don't know this for fact, but he would get boxes of medication in the mail And I'd say, who is prescribing? Oh, the team is, and they they might have three or four or five people prescribing all the same stuff. I said, you people are nuts! It just there were so many ways that they could have kept better track of that. I could have kept better track of it with an Excel spreadsheet.
0: Asking about AI, the original. Now, back in the seventies, this is before, before I did. ARPANET thing, okay? at had a customer at MIT, so I roamed around the other halls of MIT looking for you know, prospects. And I came across this one department, and on the door it said Department of Artificial Intelligence. Whoa. This was and back we're just before 75, before 75. Wow. Okay? And then I went down the hall farther, 30, 40 yards. And there was another department. It's a department of real intelligence.
1: Were they being sarcastic or was that a real yes.
0: thing? No, that's real. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Being real. yeah. The computer <laughs> guys were that. down there. These other guys were.
1: Oh. Oh, oh God. We're
0: slamming the other guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so back, back in. Way back then, way back then, there was the basic programming language. And it was a compiler that compiled as you did it rather than in a batch mode afterwards. And that was called artificial intelligence. Now, so they were creating
1: data. Like, they were creating huge data sets.
0: Yeah. And, okay. And they just called it that, okay? But one of the, one of the areas AI yeah, is really, really going to, is where you have huge data sets, since you brought up data sets, okay? Right. Large amount of data that people just can't go through, you know, okay, we got 3 million, 3 million records here, uh, of people and everybody has 20 different uh, things we tested them for. Now let's find the anomalies, and let's find the commonalities. That's, that's where AI is really
1: going to be useful it's useful now but it's also being oh, yeah. as is anything i mean we're just yep. we're never not going to be abused by anything that pops up That's but right. we do need to do we need to exercise critical thinking we need to do our homework don't just accept anything that pops up so oh, this is magic Great. There's a lot of magic in the world. The internet <laughs> is magic. <laughs> it
0: really is. The it, internet's magic to people who don't understand the technology. That's
1: right. right. But, you know, just always, always my best advice to anybody listening to this is dig in and use your critical thinking skills before you jump off the cliff and go, woohoo, AI, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, don't do that. We've only got a couple more minutes, Gary. It's always so delightful talking with you because you have – the most fascinating stories and, you know, part of your history, but we're talking about the good. What are you seeing now that really concerns you that I'm not going to call it bad, but you're looking at it going, Hmm, I don't know about that.
0: Um, the way AI could be used to abuse the political system.
1: And now you're talking my language.
0: Okay. That, that really, really concerns me. Okay. Because now they can create, these non-people to represent
1: deep fakes
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's
1: happening an awful lot I'll I'll be honest with you I you know I jump up well I don't sleep a whole lot anyway you know that and you know I may have my iPad open and running at three o'clock in the morning not unusual or I may be in here at my desk at three o'clock in the morning it just depends on what I feel like doing and I'll see things that have me going oh my god but What are we going to do about it? Well, we have to be careful what we believe. So again, critical thinking skills. If you see something that you're like, oh, go find other resources for it and then make up your mind. But don't just, whatever the media, the legacy media is telling you, just discount it 100%. I do. I don't listen to them ever.
0: Well, I'm the the one in the crowd who always said, King's got no clothes.
1: Yep. That's exactly
0: right. It's,
1: it's you right. got to say
0: that when you see
1: it. Oh yeah, you really do. Well, okay, so we' talked about AI, we've talked about well, we've talked a lot, a lot of things. What else would you like to share before I let you go? This has been fascinating It's always fascinating having a conversation with you.
0: Well, um I just just think you got to kind of hold on to your hat and, and see what the new technology is really going to bring. There's always a lot of forecasts out there of it's gonna do this, it's gonna do this, and um ninety percent of the time it misses the mark. It does something it does. That surprises people.
1: Yeah. You know? It does. And it's fun to watch in a a creepy kind of a way. It's like, uh, ah, you what did you boo boo over there? Or hey, good call. But again, critical thinking skills, which I think or I'm observing again on my precious internet that many of us are kind of lost that or never had it to begin with. You can develop it. Go find it. Critical thinking yeah. skills. And that's, Gary, that's I,
0: too, If that's ahead. too technical for him, tell them to go, go watch the original Battlestar Galactica. Really?
1: Yeah. I've never oh, seen yeah. it.
0: The original one. There's a later one, but there's the original. The originals are the best. You know how it is. The first one, yeah, the sequel is not as good, but uh, it's, it's good. But it's not is as this good a as movie?
1: It is this a movie or or are these TV? No, shows? it
0: was it was TV TV oh. series out of uh, Canada. And oh, it's, it's out there. You just got you can stream it.
1: Okay, I uh, will do that. Well, listen before I let you go. Um, do you have any upcoming projects or initiatives that you're working on?
0: Um. <laughs> Every once in a while, I work on my notes uh, of history, computer history, understandable by the average person. Um, and every once in a while, I, I work on uh, trading a, a, a chess set But that I'm not I need I need somebody who wants to play around with a 3D printer
1: that can't be difficult to find let's put out a call right now tell people what you're looking for and see if you can get some responses
0: yeah yeah so uh, and um look forward to maybe i'll do a i'll get invited to talk to a group especially like it when it's one of the students i get to talk to students group like the uh robot teams that
1: oh. and
0: and would judge okay. it uh US uh, safe competition, which is terrific to watch those kids develop this stuff.
1: It's- I think I've seen some of those on YouTube once in a while. Robotics. I think they're, yeah. they're fascinating. well, Gary, we are about to run out of time. So where can people find you or you know, just basically find you here or listen? Well, is I, I think people can locate you.
0: Yeah. No problem at all. They just send you an email, and I'll let you filter them. And Lon is the other person they can send an email to. Lon Safco. Yes, yeah. that's
1: our friend Lon
0: Safco. You know, after after being threatened and all that kind of stuff, years ago, people said, why don't you have a Facebook? Why don't you? And I said, because people were looking for me, and, <laughs> and not in a good way.
1: You're the father of spam. What do you expect? <laughs> I mean that's not a term that's going to go away I'm sorry. I know. I know.
0: I wear I wear it proudly.
1: Um you and you should. Well listen before I let you go I want to thank you for joining me again and for our audience. You know, if you've enjoyed today's episode and you found our insights helpful and Gary's stories delightful as I did, please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Your feedback really does help me improve and reach more people on their own success journeys. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review and share your partner on success radio with your friends and your colleagues. And thank you for tuning in and we will catch you on the next one. Gary, thank you so much. And we will do a Zoom. I want to see your slides.
0: Okay, well thank you again for inviting me. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Bye. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at your officeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.